Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Otari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who really hates drink glasses but really loves lumberjacks. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and that's why I shove all the drinking glasses off the table but let the lumberjacks stay there. I mean, it's the it's the real takeaways of this movie. I I know that the people made it have different things that they say it's about, but I know what I yeah. saw. Lumberjacks are just that pinnacle of masculine escapism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. Go, go get on. A, I guess oil rigs just aren't fucking good enough. Alternatively, no, absolutely, you not. have mental problems. Not in Bakersfield. You, yeah, you're not good at making friends, and when you do make friends, you scare them away because you're not comfortable around them. But it's the other option, I guess. There's probably a lot of other options, but we'll dig into that a little bit more. Nope, running away. Before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, but now I'm scared that Pat's left left the podcast to jump onto a lumber truck. I can't do that to you because this is not a comedy podcast. We're not funny. <laughs> it's true. We're not. But it would be funny. No, it would be hilarious to me. Right. But the fact that I would have to edit this for release, it would be less funny uh, by the time, but by the like time it goes to But like all good directors- if. You have the power of editing. You could make me leave the podcast for any amount of time you want me to be gone from the podcast. It just, I guess, ultimately, if this were live, it would be a lot funnier. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that is true. No one's ever asked us to do a live show, which kind of hurts my feelings, frankly. Pat, let's talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lost in criterion. Over there for just a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. We do a non-criterion film over there. Our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch from a list I put together usually, but sometimes the supporters suggest the list as well. And that's always fun because I love not thinking about things. Yeah, and we like uh, rigging lists so that the supporter gets to watch whatever absolutely, they want. Absolutely love rigging a vote. Oh, yeah. No, uh, we're huge fans of it in every capacity. That's just the American way. We have a lot of fun on that Patreon. We do a... Like I said, a non-criterion film. We watch a really wide variety of films over there. I mean, not not like as wide as the Criterion Collection. Yeah, which has is because that's impossible. Itself just in the last month, between Modern Times and Head and Antichrist, uh, there's no wider variety of films that exist in a three-film run uh, than those. Three, I, I, I see. A, I see a lot of. <laughs> I see a lot of connection between those. I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been a really fun last month on the Rain Podcast. It really has. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we do. Uh, we did a Ozo set. Oh, Ozo. <laughs> we did a, I, I like it. I I, I enjoy yeah. this this game we play. Ozu's super fun show would be a really great thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we did an Ozu set in January. We did uh, uh, Joe versus the volcano in February. Uh, we did a. Uh, I said we've been pretty Japanese heavy. In, in our bonus episodes this year so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel Japanese like there's been film. some influence on that, and uh, I, I don't mind it. 
Uh, yeah. Obviously, but at the same time, you know, I, 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 we were talking about this with Joe versus Volcano. I would appreciate a few more dumb movies. A little about that one dollar mark. We uh, our next tier up is five dollars for folks who can afford it. Want to help keep us going. Mostly our Patreon supporters have expressed that they don't really care what the bonus features are. They really just want Pat and I to continue in this mess of a podcast that we have. And I, I greatly, which is greatly frankly a, that. a feeling that I cannot understand and cannot endorse. I, I, I love that they feel that way for them. Uh, <laughs> and it, it does mean, it does mean that it's one less excuse for us to ever quit. So, you know, because people are giving us this money, we're in this till we die and maybe oh, yeah. beyond if we can if we can get the soundboards recorded correctly i mean we're uh, so i don't like to talk about large language models on a regular basis yeah. but we're fairly simple to replicate i assume somebody probably, could basically probably. get us down the only problem we'd run into is the same problem they have with like the the one that does the clone of the people where like it sometimes forget yeah. who it is and they'll be like Hannibal Lecter will simultaneously kind of convince you to do cannibalism and then also yeah. chastise you for saying that you've done cannibalism. That that seems yeah. like where it might exactly. it might get our politics wrong is what I'm saying. The the good thing about an audio only podcast is that we won't have to worry about what our fingers look like when the AI This replaces is this is us. true. Um so, and honestly, they couldn't be worse than my current fingers, so Yeah, probably. I Whatever weird bananas teeth, it spits so. out will be about equal to what yeah. my current disgusting digits look like it'll all be good it'll all be good anyway that five dollar mark we like to thank our people uh who are supporting <laughs> us at that level all our people all our people <laughs> so thank you so cute. much to our current five dollar supporters andrew jarrett chris otto eric coronado and stephen goldmeyer thank you uh, all of you all of you people yeah really grateful for y'all um a little above that at ten dollars and above, we do something pretty dang special, and that's that. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I'm literally, I get that printed up on right a postcard while we're talking. I get that printed up on mind. a postcard. Pat sometimes works on it while we're recording. It's happened more than and once. I write a little it's personalized happened. thank you note. You'd be surprised how much stuff that you do in art can be both creative and also mind-numbingly boring at the same time. That oh it yeah, yeah. You any any brain activity at all? Can Absolutely. Pat click online? Pat um, can click online. <laughs> uh, but yeah I mail that off once a month with a little personalized thank you note and yeah we like to thank those people on air as well so thank you so much to our current $10 and above supporters and speaker Min, Nina Bojdak, Tracy McGrath Jason Westhaver and Patrick Yako thank you everybody if you want to see those postcards without committing to that $10 mark if you want to if you help want keep to us going both. by buying past postcards if you want to do both, you can, you can head over to redbubble.com. Search for Lost in Criterion there. You can see the past postcards. You can buy them as postcards, as greeting cards, as stickers, uh, a couple as buttons. Jaunty uh, hats, some as probably. Magnets. I assume we could get it printed One on a baseball cap. Probably we if could we print, print it on a baseball cap. If you, if you know that Redbubble sells uh, – Redbubble is basically print-on-demand, right? So if you know that Redbubble sells something and you want to see one of our images on that thing, just let me know. Oh, yeah, Send we'll do email. it. It may take some time. And, but we can do it. Yeah, yeah. If it's too big of a thing that we have to enlarge the image, it could take some time. But, yeah, you just gotta give me. Uh, you gotta give me a warning so that I can blow the image up. The newer ones are done at a higher resolution than the old ones because I realized this was a possibility. Um, yeah, but yeah, you just be warned that if you want it big, give me like a six month head head start on it. Okay. 
yeah, so if you if you want a uh, super sad doctor time, uh, uh, cape, you're going to have to give us a little... <laughs> Some sort of mantle that you can wear to the opera? Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to need a little bit of lead time on that to make sure the make sure the art's proper. But other than that, head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in High Tier, and you can uh, see what's available. And very grateful to everybody who's purchased something off of Redbubble. Very grateful to everybody supporting us on Patreon. And thank you so much to you for listening. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Every time we do this, I feel like I'm doing the Tiny Tim thing. But God yeah. bless us, everyone. God bless us. Pat, this week, uh, we've uh, we've been in a little bit of a recording hiatus, personally, because we did the bonus episode last week. Speak for yourself, I've been recording one. the entire time. Oh, no. Pat's, Pat's I've this gone is rogue. Be a terrible episode to edit. Pat's got a week worth of, week worth of recording for me to get back <laughs> it's into. It's going to be tough. I've just been like life vlogging. Well, blog. I don't know what you call it when it's only audio. Ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla-ogla
She also wrote Monty Hellman's The Shooting from 1967 um, and Mike Nichols' The Fortune from 1975, among among other things. And uh, I feel like I'm not into uh, those movies both featured Jack Nicholson is why I bring them up directly. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up in the Criterion Collection in the long run or, or maybe they already are. I don't I know. mean, but we might see them in the future. I, I would. I mean, if they're as good as this is in terms of like yeah. writing and stuff. Yeah. This is uh, BBS represents a time for Jack Nicholson. Obviously we saw him last week in easy rider. Um, and we'll see, uh, we'll see more of more of him moving forward. He is friends with Ravelson at this time. And he's uh, in a time where he doesn't necessarily want to be an actor anymore. He sort of also wants to direct and write, and he wrote Head, and he, I think he directs one of the ones that we'll be watching. Um, I, yeah, I mean, he, now, I, I forget, I wanna... they said, there was like, again, the, the bonus materials for being so robust are also kind of right, not that helpful. Like, I get real lost in like what they're talking about and like what's going on. Like, I'm watching, I'm paying attention. But like I'm hitting the rewind oh. button a bunch of times because I'm like, what did who said what about what now? I don't understand what's going on yeah. anymore. Yeah. So he wrote Head and he uh, he directs Drive. He said, which is next week's movie. Okay. Uh, which he also wrote wrote the screenplay for. Um. So, yeah. Well, it's it's a weird time in Jack Nicholson's life. Um. <laughs> when he really he just didn't want to be an actor, but also this is time where he goes from being a character actor to being uh, a star, right? And this is this is his star-making role, really, this week. Uh, as he did, he did get nominated. Uh, this movie had a lot of nominations, uh, as the BBS stuff generally had a lot of nominations uh, and won a lot of awards. But this is the one where they first broke into the Academy Awards. Now, they didn't win anything, but they were nominated for Best Picture, Nicholson for Best Actor, Karen Black for Best Supporting Actress, and uh, and Ravelson and Eastman for Best Screenplay. Uh, like I said, didn't win any of those, but did win. Uh, Karen Black won the Golden Globe that year. Uh, they won some uh, New York Film Critics Awards uh, and some other stuff. Uh this is a time of we've talked about this with BBS uh with the previous two films this is a these movies are an american new wave uh that's really pulling from antonioni and and uh that sort of style of of italian and french new wave of stories of real people not right not the yeah, big yeah, hollywood productions yeah yeah yeah, but I think they have the same. Pro- I, I mean, I know, I know, I'm interrupting the sort of prelude to this, but like, yeah, by all means, they have the same problems that a lot of those sort of new wave stories tend to have in the sense that, like, their t- in touchness with real people is always somewhat nebulous, always somewhat yeah. iffy. Like, because like real people are also incredibly boring. Like, not the like that's not a negative statement. Okay, I want to be very clear that is not a, yeah. a derogatory statement, but like. Real life is also boring. Like, it's... Yeah. There's lots of... It's normal. Bullshit. There's lots of people, like... There's yeah. a lot of weird things that happen in real life, but there's also a lot of boringness. And, like, 
new wave films in general, and then this one, these ones as as similarly suffer from the idea of like an over dramatization of real life in many ways. Um, yeah, claiming that they're real life, but then like also failing to sort of deliver on that promise in a way that I think is truly like. I think you can, and we've seen a lot of new wave films at this point. And I can largely say that, right? It's more rare that they're amazing than they are. I don't know how this sentence is going to work. They are more often fine for me than they are like blow my mind. Some of them are fucking yeah. blow my mind. There's some that like I can never forget. And a lot of them I'm going to be like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's yeah, well, good. it's a good movie. Head is obviously its own. I mean, thing, head is right? is head is, is the not. He's blowing is not up. that. Right. Like head is, yeah. certifiably not meant to be real life, and and in many ways, yeah. I think better for it. Right? It it is yeah. just a fucking Easy wild Rider. ass thing. Easy Rider is sort of about the failures of the counterculture, right. right? To provide real freedom, I guess, or that real freedom will get you killed or something. Whatever. Well, yeah, uh, we talked about it. Easy yeah. Rider is is. Well, you know, it's a little weird to parse, right? Like when you get right down right. to it, it is about it. It kind of also doesn't know what it is in some ways, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's something very particular. Is is what it is. Is is the and that's why I say that is to build to this. Five easy pieces is something so particular, right? It's telling such a particularly implanted story that. Well, it's um. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to think that Jack Nicholson's character in this movie is relatable it, to me. He's right? he's not. Uh, uh, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna spend a lot of time on that yeah. because he's not, and it baffles. Like, yeah, we're gonna get into that. The thing I wanted to talk about is like also like his character. The thing that makes his character kind of weird is it reminds me of um, I guess Metropolitan and what was the other one? I guess maybe like the Last Days of Disco and some of those other. Movies yeah. that are like about a kind of person I don't know, yeah, uh, and wouldn't want to know, and is also probably not in a really real sense relatable to a majority of people and a majority of Americans at the time, right? Like these people are, yeah. He's a like his background is fucking weird. Like it's a weird background story, right? Like for his character. Right. And I, I guess in a manner of speaking, I think that Bobby Dupree is a realistic character, someone, someone uh, disillusioned with his upper class artist background, uh, wanting to have a real experience by doing real work. So he drives down the coast and gets a job at uh, an oil field and then realizes that He's also disillusioned by that because it's not his experience, right? He's just it's an it's a mask. He's, he's doing tourism, on. right? He's doing uh, a kind of yeah, tourism. He's doing tourism. So he goes back home because his dad's dying and he still can't relate there, but then his worlds are colliding because his pregnant girlfriend from the oil field stuff has has shown up. Uh so he runs away again to a to a new third. Yeah, thing, I mean it's a story right? of a baby man. And that all yeah, I mean, that and, all makes and, sense. and I get and that. There's the nothing wrong man. with yeah. making movies about baby men. Like, in all seriousness, yeah. it is a it is a worthwhile thing to do. I would argue yeah. that a majority of m- stories in film have been made by baby men and are therefore, <laughs> in some ways, stories about baby men. I feel like the yeah. thing that we're being 
Anyway, boy, I'm going to like go really hard on five easy pieces for some reason. Whatever. <laughs> here we go. Five easy pieces, right, is, is not that. I mean, maybe at the time, but I don't think so, really. When you really pare it down to what it is, it's nuts and bolts, it's kind of a really frequently told story. I'm a disillusioned baby (laughs) man who lashes out. Yeah. And the only thing that this doesn't have is some sort of cathartic resolution. The only difference that divides it from those kind of stories otherwise is the lack of that resolution. Right. At least he doesn't lash out in violence, usually. I mean, except for at a fucking waitress. I don't know. He seems. I yeah. Mean, the probably the more the thing that makes him more, quote unquote, relatable is the fact that he does seem like he is a barely under control violent person. Like I, we don't see him yeah. hit anybody, but you get the impression that he wants to a lot. The wait, the waitress scene is very weird because it just seems like wish fulfillment out of like some writers. Perspective well, they describe the it as perspective that. or even his dispe- perspective. Like, and yeah, they describe they it as that. They claim that Jack Nicholson uh, did this to an actual waitress, which just makes me yes. hate him more than I've ever. Like, I just don't need to know these things about Jack Nicholson because I, also, I already don't like him. Yeah, personally. he's fine, but whatever. Yeah. I don't need. Yeah. I no. don't need that. I don't need to know that he was an asshole to a waitress. For her implying that maybe they shouldn't hang out and waste her time all damn day. Yeah. Did you also uh, see the bit? I can't remember if it was in a bonus material or or just something else I ran across. uh, Where Rafelson tells a story that he had a similar experience with a waitress, but years later. uh, And she made reference to this this scene. uh, and, And it's like, yeah, no substitutions. Haven't you ever seen five easy pieces or whatever? And he says, seen five easy pieces. I made five easy pieces. Uh, Which just makes but, him more of an having asshole. Someone, like, yeah, it does make him. Make like, him. the thing about it <laughs> is, is it's like you made a movie that everybody, a ton of people in America watched a person do that thing and didn't admire him as a hero for doing it. Right. And then you're yeah, like, and, and the then you part. sort of like bought into that personality trait like harder somehow. Yeah. yeah. It's it's unsurprising to me that we're going to be talking about the meme, the memed scene first. But let's get it out of the way. Might as well. Yeah, we, re- uh, we really might that, as well. Yeah, the thing about that scene is that everything about this movie, in its time and place, wants me to sympathize with with Bobby. There, uh, and I not just because I have worked as a waiter, because I know you have these feelings too. I've worked other uh, service jobs. I've worked as a waiter, but yeah, I, I know. Yeah, waiter is a, is a particularly egregious yeah. one for this kind of stuff. My sympathy is definitely with the low wage worker in right. this situation. Absolutely, uh, this person who is like, just trying to do their goddamn job. Now, now, uh, me as a waiter, I would recognize that this whole no substitutions thing is dumb. And I would be more apologetic about it, probably, in any given situation. But also, it's probably something she's had to deal with multiple times already that day. Right. Uh, Like, no substitutions as a policy is a bad business policy for your restaurant. it's just dumb. But it's also not her policy. I guarantee you, if she could do it, she would just give people substitutions because her life would get 7,000 times easier because she doesn't have to and, argue with these assholes anymore. 
and that is only even realistically written within the scene yes. where one of the first things she offers him is, do you want to talk to a manager? Uh, right. Do you and, want to argue with the person who my made situation, this choice? <laughs> please argue with the, please argue with the person who made right. this choice because I've been trying to convince that guy that this is a bad policy and I want you to say it directly yeah, to him. Maybe he'll listen because uh, you're the customer, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, to shove all the water glasses off the table. It's just the worst. I, 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 and then <laughs> yeah. and then we find out later that theoretically he did this in real life, which makes me just want to die. Yeah. yeah, just the just the absolute because... like fucking like unself aware like assholery of actually doing that in real life. Yeah, yeah, and then the the real life story is even worse though because he came late. To a party with a whole bunch of other actors who had already annoyed the owner of the coffee shop. For like three hours or something crazy like that, or even more. It was like all day or something. And then got his coffee right as they were kicking everyone out because they had been there all day and were annoying. Uh, And and then was mad that his coffee got taken away because he was lumped in with this group of people he was with. Right. Uh, (laughs) And like, I my suspicion is that like. There's this sort of brain poison you can get. Like, we all had it. A lot of us had it as teenagers. Where, like, you're so into the idea of this hyper-reaction. You're, like, so looking yeah. for a chance to overreact. That, like... Yeah. You, you... There were reasonable human ways that that could have been resolved, right? Presumably, you could tell her, like, well, what? just give me five more minutes and I'll finish it up and we'll get, you know, or something. Presumably, there's some sort of, right. like, human interaction way to solve that that isn't making a huge scene but yeah. you're you're you've become a, intensely obsessed with your ability slash like right to make a right. scene now you've now bobby is supposed to be an anti-hero I'm saying. <laughs> yeah Bo- right bobby is an anti-hero in that he is a karen uh and and bobby is meant to be an anti-hero and eastman's very smart about the way she's written bobby and and nicholson's smart about the way he's portrayed bobby yeah uh bobby is someone who does not understand his own emotions. Like the the sequence of events uh, from the the intellectual conversation to uh, to his fight with the nurse at 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 his dad's house, where he he uh, defends Rayette from the over intellectualization and people talking down to her, and then uh, <laughs> essentially immediately tells Rayette to also fuck off. And then storms out because he wants to talk to Catherine about having sex with Catherine, <laughs> but then discovers the nurse and his sister are are having a sexual moment and decides to fight the nurse about it, uh, and and then can't fight the nurse about it. That is all a very realistic emotional journey for a guy who doesn't know how to deal with his emotions, right? Right, right. I mean, uh, it is it is a realistic baby man journey. Like, I'm not going to argue yeah, that it's yeah. not realistic. It's just that, like. Right. I don't and I don't know slash super duper sympathize with that kind of person, right? Which is fine. It's okay no, to make a character not. I don't sympathize not. with. That's fine. Yeah. And and like I said, you know, he is meant to be an anti-hero here. He's not meant like the the ending of this movie, he's he's not meant to have made a noble choice. We know he has not made a noble choice, right? Right. Well, uh, okay, we'll talk about that in a second because <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we, we've run into the classic anti-war problem once again. <laughs> well, well, no, we, we, he we, literally is sneaking away. I know, I, but movie, we, we, the movie knows that he's sneaking. No, away. no, the movie knows. So. I agree completely. The movie knows. Yeah. I think some percentage of people 
definitely didn't get the memo. Yes. (laughs) I know for a fact because the stories abound of people essentially replicating the behavior in this movie. Again, it's not the movie's fault. The movie didn't do anything wrong. Uh, But uh, it turns out people are stupid and do stuff like that anyway. It's like the conversation we had with the last one about everyone lionizing uh, Easy Rider as this epic tale of freedom forgetting that everyone dies in it apparently right, right. So, like, and and prompting some unbelievable number of people to buy motorcycles and then make choppers out of them yeah uh but yeah bobby is he's a bad dude yeah uh but he's not even i mean he's not he's not a rebel right he's just a he's just a guy who doesn't know what he wants and doesn't know how to know what he wants uh and that's who we're following. He's a rich guy who can't succeed in pretending to be poor. And when shit really hits the fan while he was pretending to be poor, does go back to his family home, not to like beg for money or try to get anything out of it, but as a way to run away though, from as a way to run away from his current situation. Certainly he's created. Yeah. Yeah. And then just, he's just constantly running away. Uh, And, you know, Briefly, at times, he has moments of clarity where he apologizes for being the asshole that he is. Uh, but he, he still has those fundamental flaws his, that, like, relieve him yeah. to continue to do that thing, right? Like, he's not yeah. I mean, his, his he he does exhibit an interesting trait that I don't know, you know, that the movie is interested in talking about, which we've talked about with actual directors, which is identifying the fact that you have this flaw does not in fact get rid of said right, flaw. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he never even necessarily identifies his actual defining flaw. No, no, flaws. he kind of, I think you He get apologizes to his dad. Right. I think you get the impression that maybe in moments of clarity he kind of gets what's wrong with him and he just yeah. doesn't care to try to fix it. It's just not. Yeah. Or doesn't know how and, he would go about yeah. fixing that flaw. And we can extrapolate, you know, it's not just that he was raised rich. He was raised in a particular atmosphere of affluence that tried to make him in, tried to make him into a piano prodigy, right? He is a piano prodigy within the, but only because but that's a manufactured prodigy. Uh, you know, he was forced all, to be all in order. Yes, all prodigies are manufactured. You don't have to whisper that. It's it's <laughs> we can recognize it. Right. Everybody Everybody who's a prodigy is a prodigy because they had the uh, they had the resources to devote the time to do it, and anyone could become a prodigy if they also had those resources. Really, ultimately, uh, someone might push back that I just said anyone. Sure, okay, whatever. I but mean, also, I I don't know that that's untrue. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that that's not untrue either. Um, but yeah, so you know, he he comes from privilege, and he rejected that privilege, and that's great. But he rejected that privilege in a way where he's just putting on another costume. Yeah, I mean, I don't know acting. that he's reject. I, you know, we get into this thing like you see this. This is a common theme in a lot of books and movies, right? But yeah. like you always run into this thing about like this real sort of the the ones that I really like generally do engage with the idea. Like, did you actually reject it, or are you even capable of rejecting it? Right? Because right, right. his his immediate response to hard times is to run home. Yeah, maybe he's not begging for money. But he also doesn't ever seem right. hard up for money, actually. But right. running is home fair. is a form, like, he goes, he immediately turns to that safe haven in sort of the assumption that, like, that will just shake off all the problems. Like, that, like just being there 
will rid him of these issues, right? Like he won't have yeah. to worry about those things anymore. And he's probably 99% of the time right. Yeah. And, you know, he he likes his sister, but he doesn't like anyone else in his family. And he does seem to actually like his sister, right? Yes, I think so, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, he just he's not interested in their world. And and to be fair, the other brother, assuming it's his brother, Carl. I think that's, uh, I was the, actually that's what we're supposed, sort of unclear on that relationship. I think we're supposed but, to take that uh, take away that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, given that he is credited as Carl Fidelio Dupree, yeah, or Dupia, uh, he is also he is also one of their. He's got the same naming convention. I mean, the rest it, of it family, could so. be like a cousin or something. You know, like that's that's also yeah. the sort of vagaries of that kind of family, right? Like, right, right, right. That's fair. Um, but yeah, he's he's a very hateable guy, um, and, and everyone else they hang out with at that house is a very very punchable people. I mean. Um, and and so is our main character. Like he is also a very. And so is our main character. Like yeah. he's like. I mean, like he in turn treats, you know, other people like shit just as often as he gets mad at other people for treating other people like. You know what I mean? Like he's as guilty of the thing he yeah. chastises other people of or for as they are. He just does it at right. different times. Sorry, I just ran across a, a little thing in my notes that I forgot about. Uh, the waitress scene is filmed at a Denny's outside of Eugene, Oregon, which I just find very funny. That is funny. Uh, but <laughs> And who hasn't wanted to do that at a Denny's, honestly? I mean, uh, I would want to do it at a Denny's. I mean, and bear in mind that, that this is the only way you can actually do it at a Denny's without being registered as a maniac is to have their permission at a time, which is what you're doing right, when right, you right. film a movie there. So it is a form yes. of wish fulfillment. But if you actually did it at a Denny's without their permission, you would be a horrible person, right? Like, it's a fascinating right. conundrum. I would also like to mo- shoot a movie at a Denny's just so I could do that at a Denny's. Right. So that they and know it's, it's of, coming it, and they don't get mad at me. It is interesting here compared to, say, Easy Rider. Easy Rider was mo- made on such a shoestring budget. And, like, our diner scenes in Easy Rider, our other customers, our wait staff, our the real people who were there, right? Right. Or people in the town that they found. Right, you have that air of authenticity that comes with that too, right? Like, well, you know, the classic sort of like early in that new wave where you're like, well, we used real people for our our scene. The realness is that, yeah, it's a Denny's outside of Eugene, which means it is on the drive up from Bakersfield to Portland. But But that's where the realism uh, is, right? Yeah. That's where the realism ends. It's a real, it's a real place, but it's the waitress is played by an actress, uh, and no one would really react that way because if they did, they'd get punched. Yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't get punched. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think that Eastman's script is very strong and i i find it interesting the variety of uh female characters that we have right um that they are all very interesting and they are all uh i think that particularly uh uh palma apodaca 
and Terry Grouse, the two hitchhikers they pick up, could have just as easily be, been male characters. They could have. Because and, these are characters. Right. These are characters that Bobby does not have sexual interest in. Um, and uh, that's kind of surprisingly. I think, I, yeah, actually, I, I know what I was expecting. Them, I was but, kind of expecting yeah. at some point a sex scene between one of them and Bobby, which is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad it didn't happen. Me too. Me too. But, but they are, they are interesting people, particularly Palm, uh, who, who gets a big chunk of monologues in the center of the movie right. about, about rejecting society and rejecting consumerism. Well, very specifically that, um, that classic point of rejecting consumerism, which is a thing we talked about a lot with easy rider, Last week, and we've talked about in general recently a lot lately. This sort of, this sort of, kind of like very false high level, sort of right, not really useful sort of social stance to take about against consumerism, but without really like she doesn't she doesn't really have politics as much as she just has. Well, what will probably transform at some point in the future into. Extre- some sort of extreme right wing opinions, uh, right, right, right. Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think there's some reading between the lines we could do. Uh, her talking about the purity and whiteness. Yeah, of I, I think so too. I think she probably that actually is, already that is not the weather, right? Yeah. I I would argue that probably at this time she would be read as sort of leftist, and then like later on, you know what I mean? It would get read as leftism. Yeah, by the counterculture at this time, right? Oh, you're rejecting consumerism. You're you're, you know, left of center, right? But like, you're not actually. Right. You're probably working on. It. You're probably already well on your way to, or already are a Nazi. But you know what? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> very fair. Uh, but they are still they're so interesting, nuanced characters who, uh, again, uh. It's uh, the bulk of the cast of this movie is women, right? And that's that's sort of just that's coming off of Easy Rider, where there's such a limited cast, but it is almost universally male, right? Uh, right. I mean, and, yeah, Easy yeah. Rider has li- what yeah. literally two women in it. No, uh, I mean, I guess yeah. I, for, I guess it's, not because there's the um, I forgot about the um, the yeah. uh, what you might call it though. There's a the commune. Yeah, commune. There's a couple of women with speaking roles of the commune, and there's the women uh, from the brothel in New Orleans um, who are, you know, uh, uh, Karen Black plays plays one right. of the prostitutes in the New Orleans sequence and is playing a very different character. You know, she's got range here. Rayette is uh, very different to who we've seen her play in the past and very different to herself as a character, in fact. Uh, in fact, uh, there's a story I think she tells uh, about uh, uh, Raffleson saying that she was too smart to play Rayette, and uh, and her saying, "Well, when you say action, I'll turn my brain off." Uh, and I think she plays the character very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Rayette as a character is a believable sort of person for for who she's meant to be. Uh, I think Rayette is much more believable than Bobby is. I agree. Honestly. I think but, the act. I I do earnestly believe that the acting uh yeah. Ken Black does for Rayette is better than the acting that 
Nicholson yeah. is is turning in in this movie, like legitimately. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I think Lois Smith as Partita, the the sister, uh, is also a very realistic portrayal of the the person she's meant to be there. And maybe that's because we're we're sort of sticks of characters. You know, if she were more nuanced, she might be less realistic. If we spent more time with her, she might be less realistic. But but Partita feels like uh, uh, the sort of person who has also been forced to, but hasn't been able to escape from being right. Has had to a be, different like a sort of result, right? Yeah, yeah, and hasn't uh, you know doesn't doesn't have a love life because of that, and and ends up uh, well, falling in with the first out first person outside her family and sphere of influence that. Uh, that she ever spends time with, right? Basically. Or alternatively, kind of my my thought process on this is either that, or this is the same thing that has happened every time she found somebody she kind <laughs> right. of got along with, right? That might also is be that true, one yeah. of those one of the pains in the ass that she is forced to deal with on a regular basis has come in and ruined it, right? Yeah. Um, Lois Smith, who plays Pertita, we've seen her recently. Can you remember where? I don't remember. This is the sort of test. I, that... I love your. I love your. Like, does Pat still have face yeah. blindness test? Yes, he right. does. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, I only it only clicked when we first saw her with her glasses on. Uh, but she is uh, she's the old woman who hires the detectives in the Nice Guys, which we did for a bonus episode a couple months ago. Is she? Oh, that's uh, interesting. The grandma, the grandma of the right, uh, right of the adult film, the adult film young woman. <laughs> um, I think is is the joke they make in referring to her. But uh, what a fun movie. It was a fun movie, but yeah, she's uh she's in that oh, obviously. She had she had a pretty interesting career because she was in uh, uh, she was in uh, sorry, let me. She was in <laughs> East assume... of Eden. Okay. With uh, you know that's the Elia Kazan movie and one of one of the very few movies that James Dean made before he died. Right. Um. And she had a she had a supporting role in that, and then basically didn't do film for fifteen years, really, until Five Easy Pieces. Yeah, she's in a couple of stuff the same year East of Eden came out. She was in another huh. movie, and she was in another movie in nineteen seventy. I wonder why. But she did television work between nineteen fifty five and nineteen seventy. Uh, and then after nineteen seventy, she she had much more consistent film work. Oh, okay, and and has been in things that you've certainly seen. Um, I don't think anything that we'll watch for the Criterion Collection. But, uh, yeah, and, and I uh, wouldn't remember any. I, I yeah. the problem that we've well, previously eventually, stated will continue to be yeah. true. Has been true. Um, will continue one of her, true. one of her latest pieces will be something that will eventually be in the Criterion Collection. I'm sure, uh, because she has uh, she has a role in the French Dispatch, oh, the okay. most recent Wes Anderson movie, as of our recording. Um, but yeah, she was in the Nice Guy. She was in Lady Bird. Uh, she's had a bit of a career okay. renaissance in the last ten years, but right. some uh, movies I've seen, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's in Fried Green Tomatoes too. I've seen um, Fried Green Tomatoes. Oh, you should. It's a good movie. I maybe we'll, like we'll do a bonus. Ep- we'll do a, maybe we'll do a Lois Smith bonus episode when the, the month this comes out. Um, look at her career. That would be a fun. Uh, that would anyway. be a fun. I like those kind of bonus lists too. Those are those are fun ones where he's like. Yeah. Let's do this actor or actress. Like this is this is yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. I guess I just yeah. There's a really great female cast in this movie, 
Yeah. And, uh, and all of the characters are different and nuanced in their own way. And they're not round because they're also sort of archetypes in their own ways too. But they, uh, yeah, it's, I, I would say that given the amount of It's been of a while since time, we watched a movie that passed the Betchel test. Right. I, guess, I would say is that the thing. amount of screen time that they're given, they're about as round as an actor could make those characters in that amount. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? You, you feel that there's a lot of, they're maybe not round, but they have a lot of texture. You get the impression yeah. that if we did spend an hour with this character, this would also be an interesting person to like watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. That you would, that like, because they're doing a, relatively limited roles doing a lot of a lot of a lot of work there and i i really do admire yeah. most of the most of the character work in this movie quite a bit i, I think it's all yeah. really well done yeah we would be a little remiss if we didn't point out uh that in a recent podcast interview on gilbert godfrey's podcast of all places okay uh sally struthers uh who plays shirley the uh the woman that he meets at the uh at the uh, bowling alley that they end up having sex uh, Sally Struthers did did reveal in that podcast that Rafelson uh, told her that she would not be f- nude in the final cut of the film. That doesn't uh, shock me at all. That doesn't. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, that's really shitty. I. It, it also is, is it the is super least shitty. surprising thing you could ever tell me. Yeah, I, I yeah. do not like this man. I do not think that if I met him <laughs> in real life, I would like care for him at all. Yeah. Yeah. He seems real. I did not like him in his After, interviews. Every time we watch a new right. one of him, I like him less. After, thank God after this the box story in Head. What? Say that again? After the story from, from the Head bonus features of him doing a bunch of coke and then throwing a guy down the stairs. Yeah. Uh, I already didn't like him. but now, Well, I had forgotten now, about that one. So, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, my, my impression is just like this is – probably thank god this is only so many movies because if there were too many i would it would get, it's just going to keep getting worse right like this is not getting better yeah. this is only getting worse um so i, I it seems like a piece of shit yeah. but right he right. made some important yeah. movies um this box has suffers from giving us way too many interviews with these people <laughs> frankly right 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 yeah, um, it does. It really it does. Really, it, yeah, it every, legitimately, honestly, every, does. we do not need this much. There's just so much every, shit in here. Yeah, we're we're less than halfway through, but every single one of these films so far, and I'm pretty sure this continues, has at least a half hour documentary on BBS telling the complete BBS story in each of them. Uh, in which that we're we pairing get with each different movie. stories about BBS that yeah. make the people involved look worse. What's really yeah. remarkable yeah, is just... each one so far has been unique, but also contained damning material. Right. Yeah. It's truly now, remarkable. I will say, frankly, I will say that the one, the one this week, uh, and I says, I suppose this is, this is not untrue from what we've experienced so far. Uh, but Rafelson explaining that they hired the director to make the film and basically offering complete artistic freedom as long as they come in under budget. That is, or at budget or under, um, you know, that, that is an interesting way of going about making movies and it's fascinating. Um, that does mean presumably 
that each of the BBS movies we watch are exactly what the director wanted them to be. Right. Right. Uh, and that's maybe a little worrying. Uh, and the, and in the one this week, uh, there is a little bit about uh, uh, Peter Bogdanovich, who is the director of one of our upcoming movies as well. Uh, he directs The Last Picture Show, which will be the uh, second to last in the box set. Uh, but but the little bit where they talk about how Peter Bogdanovich didn't do drugs and was a bit of a square, mm-hmm. uh, and they all hated him for it, that was very funny to me. Yes, yeah. Um, but, uh, and, then, and then Bob or somebody saying, well, maybe it's good that we have somebody who isn't isn't on as many as drugs as the rest of us uh might might actually be okay right, right uh but but yeah it was just other than that it was basically 45 more minutes of the same information again yeah i mean slightly um, different like you know it's it's yeah some of it i zoned out a little bit because i was like i've heard all this already this is yeah. fine um and i will also say like last week's bonus material uh the Karen Black interviews are very funny to me just because she's doing impressions of everyone. Right. It's yes. Just, yeah. It's just silly. It's good. Right. And, uh, and you know, it, it, they, they just have a, di- they, hers have a little bit different tenor than some of the other ones, right? Like uh, yeah. more, more of a sense of humor about uh, this, right, like right. not quite so self-serious about this whole thing. Right. But, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the Bob Ravels ones are the most self-serious ones. They're, yeah. He, yeah. It turns out um, he takes his career of finding movies seriously, uh, as it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. The uh did you listen to the audio? No, interview? I did not. The I, 1976 if, it, bit? if Plex doesn't recognize uh, it, I ignore it, which was my policy here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So it's a forty five minute thing he did with uh, the American Film Institute that seems to be film students asking him questions. Uh-huh. That that seems to be the context on it. Um where he talks Basically, it's a bunch of people asking him how he got into film and him saying, I don't know how to help you because I did it so weird. Uh, But his background um, is that uh, he got into film because he was drafted and ended up being a radio DJ for the army in Japan in the late 50s. The cushiest position you could ever get. Yeah. And then while he was in Japan, uh, he uh, he much like Donald Ritchie, who we've talked about previously, uh, lived was living in Japan and ended up writing English language movie reviews for Japanese newspapers. Uh, so he became a movie critic in Japan. And then from that, he became a film translator for some studio. I can't remember which one, but it was the studio that did Ozu films. Uh, and and from that, he says, was in a position to tell them what movies he thought they should push for American releases for, what ones were worth translating. Uh, and And in fact... <laughs> So it's his fault that some Ozu movies did not get released internationally, basically, is is what that boils right. down to. Um, which, you know, to be fair to him at the time, certainly. Uh, 
America would not have connected with an Ozu film and it would have been a waste of money. Right, but, yes, yeah. Uh, he, did, he did make the right decision there. It's just very silly that it is his fault that Ozu was not right. released in the U.S. Uh, and then he got back into the U.S. and started working in television and, and film production from his experience working at movie studios in Japan, basically. Uh, so he just sort of fell into things. Well, and then... but like he's got the, um, I, you know, it is a very weird process, right? A yeah. lot of directors and filmmakers and f- dudes in Hollywood and stuff have a trajectory post-war similar to this, right? Because it's the classic thing right. that like, you know, the joke online about like, where you just would like walk into a store and be like, hey, give me, a, yeah, I need a job. You got a job? And they're like, yeah, we got a job. Here, have a job. Here, Now you're making yeah, $30 yeah. an hour or whatever, the equivalent of like $30 an hour. Like, it, it's like, yeah, just job, like jobs in this industry also just sort of laying around, right? Post war to a certain extent, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. he's talking and to people like, who. He wasn't. Right, but he's also he wasn't wholly disconnected from film outside in like his personal life. He has uh, his first cousin uh, was screenwriter and playwright Samson Rafelson, and like he was a generation older than Bob is. But Samson Rafelson wrote nine movies for Ernst Lubitsch. Right, and and so, we like, know for a fact that like those sorts of connections always always help and always play a big part. Right, like. Yeah. Guaranteed that helped, right? Like guarantee Yeah. That's what helped probably helped him transition from doing doing odd, what is what amounts to odd jobs in Japan to like, hey, I need a job in Hollywood. You know. Yeah. That person and, you know, that person probably, you know, it's just the way it is, and, right? And his connection to Hollywood we already talked about with Head was a matter of timing, right? He had this idea for a a jokey boy band show that he'd been shopping around for a long time and no one was interested in until A Hard Day's Night came out. And he happened to be in the right position when A Hard Day's Night came out for Columbia to say, hey, let's go ahead and make this movie. So, yeah, it's... He got lucky in a lot of ways and he had he had some family connections, it seems like, and he got... Uh, he ended up doing his selective service in a way that... Uh, allowed him to illegally also work for a Japanese newspaper. Right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it's I not mean, exactly, well, that's, it's not exactly hustling. Right. It, well, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying is like, it's, it is both entirely unique in the way that everybody's experience is entirely unique and entirely ununique as well. Yeah. Right. It's the, it's the way that everybody gets into this kind of shit. Right. In some right. way or another, it seems like, right. Is that like, you know, it's some sort of weird combination of timing and nepotism. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. To an like, extent where... I mean, like, in all seriousness, like, if you really think about things in a, in a sort of broader sense, right, would somebody else have come up with the idea of a jokey boy band show? You're damn straight they would have. Yeah. A thousand certainly, people certainly had that written in, the, in their notebook somewhere, right? Yeah. And certainly in the wake of A Hard That's Day's Night. That's what I mean, right? A ton of them were going to pop up, you know. Herman's Hermits had movies in the wake of our day. Right, night. exactly. Like, it's just it's the way it's going to be. Yeah. In like, like, not not to underplay people's 
res- the results they got in the town. But like also like there's this it's a classic thing, right? Like I mean, there's a thousand people had the ideas that he had, and they just didn't have the right. timing slash nepotism combined together to make that happen. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, there is there is. We've watched now three of these behind-the-scenes BBS things and, and individual documentaries with, with Ravelson. Two of the movies we watched already are directed by Ravelson. One more will be The King of Marvin Gardens, the last one in the box set, uh, that we'll watch a month from now. Uh, and we've got a lot of Ravelson, and that Lubitsch connection has never popped up so right. far. So, like, you know, uh, he... Uh, he has said, from what I've read, uh, that uh, that uh, Samson Rafelson was uh, was a he was a dear me- nephew. If he liked the picture, I was his favorite nephew. But if he didn't like it, I was a distant cousin. Is is how his relationship right. with, with Rafelson went. Um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, it's. Yeah, he's he seems like an interesting guy, but he seems like an interesting guy who just did way too much cocaine. And I'm not interested in people who did way too right, much cocaine. And, and, and interesting in, in the way that I've got to put pretty heavy, heavy air quotes. Like, an interesting person I would not yeah. want to spend any time with. Right, Like, right, just right. zero yeah. interest in this person as a, as a person. And, like, yeah, interesting artistic output for a while. Yeah. For, for a period of time. Did some stuff that I just really that is interesting that seems to be in line with the sort of zeitgeist of the time right like yeah matches up with that uh which is cool and i mean it's a zeitgeist that i also have a hard time um i think a problem i run into with these movies so far has been that you combine all these sort of things together right it's 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 in line with a zeitgeist that i find frankly wholly uninteresting i'm not like I I've you're disconnected from it yeah, yeah. it's not just a disconnection but i as i've as time has gone on my distaste for it has only grown, right? Like we we today deal with the aftermath of of a of a countercultural movement that was that was self possessed and 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 frankly very selfish, right? Like very self focused, very and 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 that 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 pretended in its core to be com- like communal, pretended to be pro a lot of th- didn't even pretend, but like put on the affect of a lot of things that didn't turn out to, to be things that they really right. were actually that interested in. Right. Um, and, and the, and the slide in American society since then has really been the result of a lot of those right. movements. Right. Um, we, we in retrospect can see that a lot of this hippie counterculture movement of the late sixties, early seventies uh, slid directly into uh, reactionary politics of the eighties, uh, exactly, and and it was the same people, not not reacting to those people. It was literally the, the same, same people. people, right? Exactly. Uh, like a lot of this stuff result like leads directly into sort of nimbyism and all this other stuff that like yeah. we deal with today, right? And like we're dealing with those people today, and so the romanticized view of it is is I I do my best when I'm watching to put it into the context of the time. But it's hard, right? Yeah. Because we have the value of a lot of hindsight. Right. And certainly certainly artistically, these are doing very different things to mainstream movies of the time. Right. And I respect that. And Rafelson 
in his position both as director of some of these movies and as producer of all of these movies, one of the producers of all of these movies, uh, is facilitating that artistic freedom uh, that is getting unique results, whether right. or not they are individually interesting to me results. Right. They are unique results. Um, and Easy Rider did not connect to me. Head did. I thought Head was really interesting. I, I agree. Head uh, is Head is yeah. But I w- I'm getting the impression that Head is the oddball in this. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and and I well, think that's is... going to pan out to be true. I I do, I do believe right. Head is the Head is 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 probably going to continue throughout this. This is my supposition is going to continue to be the one that I think was actually like really interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, these are fine, but again, like for... I I I agree with everything you said. And I also firmly yeah. believe that we're dealing with a classic case of like, yeah, these are different ways of telling stories that have been told a lot, right? Like stories that we've yeah. seen a million times. And that's it's fine. It's good to tell them in a different way. It's interesting to tell them in a different way. It's good to have like non-resolution, to have like all these interesting ways of doing things. But, you know, when push comes to shove, these are not people that I'm... I mean, I, I, Bobby is a certainly not a relatable character. Yeah, yeah, um, and and that's fine. It's it's fine. It, the, I was I you know I wasn't like unable to watch the movie. I found lots of interesting stuff. There's a lot of neat things that happen, right? Like Bobby is a is a is a shitty shitty person, and uh, that can be interesting to watch. And and he was in many ways interesting to watch. I Jack Nicholson's acting is always hit or miss for me there's movies in which i yeah. think he's amazing there's movies in which i think he's annoying more than anything else right uh, and this is one of the ones where he's annoying yeah kind of i mean he's fine a lot of times it's it's the jack on jack nichols and blow up scenes that like i think a lot of people really keyed into that i find very annoying it's like yeah. those reactions are not as intriguing to me as i think they must have been must have been and continued to be for a lot of audiences, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his character in uh, Easy Rider was interesting for being a Southern Gothic character who walks into Easy Rider. Right, right, and, right. Yes. And exists for a little Just bit. Just floats right? in. Well, he's the, yeah. uh, I forget the name of the, I've already forgotten, Terry Gross and the other uh, person. Palm, yeah, Palm Apakadaka, yeah. He's the right. that he's the that character of Easy right. Rider, essentially. Yes, um, at least at least Terry and Palm don't die when they leave the movie. I mean, there was a chance time. in the movie. I mean, like we can chalk that up to yeah. Carol Easton being a better writer. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, there is there is actually a little thing. Uh, Eastman's original ending to this, Which I like had, a lot better, frankly, had Bobby dying. Yeah, do you? Uh, I think uh, it's more interesting. I think I, I understand the value of this sort of like him just fucking hitting the bricks. I really get it. I think it's an interesting choice. Yeah. It does play up the fact that Bobby is going to do this Bobby thing over and over and over and over again ad nauseum. So I, it, th- right. the current ending is good. I do like it. I think it, it does track with the character. It makes sense. Uh, I but think... I also really like the idea of Bobby like – being a, being an asshole him way, himself right into a river. Yeah. Um there are two ways I could see within the realm of how the how the original ending was described. 
there are two ways I could see it going that I would not like. Okay. One is that you know we see the lead up to what would be the ending that we have already in the film, and that is Rayette kissing him and distracting him and him getting mad about her, her kissing him because he's mad about everything else going on, right. really. Um, but there's a way that that could play out where uh, she distracts him into the accident, and that would be bad because Rayette doesn't deserve that in this film. Right. Um, and there's also a way where he reacts to it where it's overtly suicidal, and that was what Bob Rafelson talks about, his concerns about right. yes, ending I, it that and way I get that. would be <clears throat> that there would be no avoiding it feeling suicidal. Uh, and I think that if they could not succeed in avoiding it feeling suicidal, that that would be bad because uh, Bobby Bobby using that as an out, uh, and if it was suicidal, he's doing it in a way where Rayette is also likely to die, even if she doesn't in the actual script. Uh, to his motivation, he is attempting to murder suicide Rayette, and that would be bad. Uh, and I would like I would not like either of those. Uh, I think there is a way to do it successfully, uh, but uh, right. I don't. I I don't know that I would trust Bob Rifleson to direct. I don't it think so either. But so. like, I think that's that we're getting to a core problem here, right? We're getting yeah. to a couple and core problems. Is that like yeah. he didn't like it because so right. it's okay. I have a couple. There's a couple core problems I think are worth talking about. Number one, yeah, give the director the money and don't let them do whatever they want. So long as they stay under budget, does not apparently apply to the writer of the movie. Only right, to right, the right. director, right? Yeah. We get into some very like director as uh, this sort of director as auteur, like this whole like right. like it's his vision. It's like well, lots of people were really involved with this. I'm not going to name any of them or tell you yeah. anything about any of them. And Ravelson jokes about auteur theory in the AFI interview. Where he says, "Well, I'll start each of my movies with a with a solid bit of color, and then years from now, someone might might be able to watch them all and say, oh, the same guy made all those movies.' And 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 he says it as a joke about auteurs, right, theory, right? To his um, but, anyway. but you know that, and that's not necessarily you know, the way that film deals yeah. with directors is not necessarily his fault, right, or anything like that. But right, right, right. But again, it doesn't apparently apply to the director to the writer, right? The actual person who like." conceived of this whole thing and like made it exist in the first place is not given the same value credit as the director who makes it into a film right like it, you know yeah. she had an idea and I think that idea is interesting and I understand the misgivings yeah. that are associated with it and I'm not sure that Bob Rafelson had the chops to pull it off um, right or that, but or he did that have the chops Jack to recognize the misgivings and I think he was right yeah I get that in those misgivings I think yeah. another director with with more yeah. subtlety, more skill with subtlety, could pull it off. I can think of directors yeah. off the top of my head that I could imagine their version of this movie right. having that ending and working. Because what is interesting about that ending to me and what really intrigued me when I heard about it was that Bobby is not suicidal. We know this. Bobby is prone to exploding in ways that are self-destructive and destructive to the people right. around him. Right. And it would not be and out of... Bobby will get himself killed eventually. Bobby's yes. behavior could have is going to result in Bobby dying and probably Bobby yeah. getting other people killed someday. Yeah. Is and it that would have worked soon, for his character. Right. Is it too yeah. soon to make her 
the victim slash the sort of catalyst to make that happen? Perhaps, right? Maybe Rayad right. is not the choice of characters to do that with. It because, wouldn't have felt good. Because their relationship is just too long and established in the yeah. in the film. But at the same time, it, it, there's a value in... You could write it all. You could also like do a different thing where you take Rayette out of it and then like you make him exploding it like a nearby driver or something. A thing that Bobby right. does do in the movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, my point is that, that emphasizing the fact that like while Bobby is not suicidal, he is very self destructive. Um, right. I do. I do think given that. Easy Rider ended with the death of the main characters. If we had watched a second movie that ended with the death of the like main character, yeah, yeah, I would feel it would I, not feel I, great. I get it. Like I said, I think the ending is good. I I get it. I like it. I think it's probably one of the most satisfying yeah. elements of the movie, in terms of yeah. like, it's the thing that he does. It's the thing that that character does that talks about who he is. In the least overacted way, right? He just does the thing. There's no explosion. There's no wild thrashing about. He just runs away again. And and who knows, right? Like now that like he's kind of burned his br- even burned his bridges at home even harder. Maybe Rayette's yeah. the one he goes to. Like you know, like when he runs away from the next one, maybe Rayette is where he lands. As a part of running away right. from the next one, you know what I mean? Like it, maybe. Like maybe. It, you, we, well, we don't know, right? Bobby's not that old, right? In the in the story, right? Yeah. And so we we don't know what Bobby's progression of life is like, where he runs to hide at any given time, right? Uh, but I also think, with a subtler director, subtler actors, this story yeah. ending and him crashing his car into a lake or whatever it is is interesting yeah yeah um it could be uh the other thing about that ending is that eastman apparently uh was writing uh a sort of subtle-ish reference to the kennedys in this Uh whole situation yeah i get that so so bobby would have been a direct reference to uh the Whatever, Chabba. I can't. I can't say that Chabaquitic. word. Um, yeah, the Chabaquitic incident um, with with Edward Kennedy uh, and crashing crashing while coming off the island, uh, and and to her to her scripted credit, uh, she would be reversing the situation where the Kennedy dies instead of right, the woman. Right. Um, but. Uh, well, yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, that, I mean, also, it just it doesn't really work as a reference to that. Well, just the here's way, what the I I think it, I don't think, but I, I I will I will push back on that because I think it comes okay. down to who's directing the movie and what kind of movie it actually comes out to be, right? Because the writer right, doesn't right, right, know right. what's going to happen when they're writing, right? Yeah. This is a subtler movie with subtler actors. You suddenly get that rich boy who runs away from his responsibilities and his problems, this very Kennedy political family sort of bullshit, right? Keeps yeah. caught, leaves a wake of human disaster in his path as he sort of runs away slash playboys his way around the United States eventually. 
Yeah. And the only and the, and the, the the slight difference being that he ends up killing himself instead of the person he's with, right? Um, my, my, I'm not sure that Carol Eastman knew the kind of director she was writing for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ravelson's yeah. not a subtle director. He is not. It's just not a tool in his tool bag, and he does not know how to use it. Uh, and neither does his main actor. Neither does Jack Nicholson, really, at this point. Uh, so you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah. So I, I don't know the whole the whole reading that she was making a reference to the Kennedys through the Dupias family. Uh, well, okay. okay. <laughs> but Instead of it being a piano prodigy, we're we're talking about a family that constantly put like as a fundamental like term of being a part of this family is you must be involved heavily in politics and must be successful yeah. at it. Instead, you swap that out for music, music, different kinds of music, right? Right. Everybody has to do that. Everybody's pushed to do that extremely hard. Some of them run away from it. Some of them don't. But they're all the same sort of like... Yeah, but Partita wasn't lobotomized in the movie, so... Okay, so Billy like the, 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 the references are, are... But like... I'm kidding. She's... But. She's had a lot of her personal agency completely removed as a person. Right, right, right. No, no. It's very much. It is. It is as much. I'm, Five Easy Pieces is as much a movie about the Kennedys as Arrested Development is a show about the Bushes, and we all accept it. Right. <laughs> well, and, that, and that is that. So, that is yeah. yes. I think it's just a, it's a matter of director and 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 who's in the movie yeah. and everything like that. Like and intent, really. Right. Like I don't think Bob Ravelson's trying to make a movie about the Kennedys. No. And no, I don't think so. as a result, you get a thing that's kind of about that thing, sort of maybe in a real tangential way, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, uh, I, I find it interesting that for Easy Rider, we basically had an entire bonus feature dedicated to letting Laszlo Kovacs, the cinematographer, talk about Easy Rider. Right. And Easy Rider was a beautifully shot movie for his part. Uh, this movie, despite Kovacs being a fantastic cinematographer, as established last week, um, this movie, one, has some interesting camera sort of set pieces i think the highway stuff and the stuff in bakersfield is shot very interesting because they're desolate areas that are shot to be desolate uh but it's not it's not especially cinematographic amazing movie uh and we hear nothing from kovacs about right um in the i think it's ravelson maybe i forget who talks about it like the idea that like those like really wide panoramic shots that like, yeah, that, that that demonstrate that desolation. I forget that it's referenced in one of the bonus features, but I don't remember exactly how they talk about it. Um, yeah, I can't remember if it's Ravelson talking about Coax doing it or I forget the 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 setup for that. It is mentioned, and those are some of the more visually interesting bits of the movie. Yeah, um, I think I think particularly the highway scene. Where where he gets up on the flatbed truck and and plays the piano, mm -hmm. just the fact that this is a Hawaii a highway with an exit 
and people trapped in the middle of nowhere. There is nothing around. It's right. just flat desert, and the highway is being engulfed by sand while we are while right. we're sitting on it. Uh, would be fantastic commentary about the place of cars in our society if they were trying to make that commentary. Right. Though not. I don't think they are They're at that not. moment. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, and I think the final the final scene, the final shot, that sort of crane shot of. Uh, of the truck pulling away and Rayette coming back to the car and realizing he's gone and going looking for her as we get just the character list on screen for like a full minute yeah. or more. Uh, I think that's a very interesting. Uh, and, and that is, uh, that is Kovacs doing a crane shot too. Right. Right. Know? So, yeah, I mean, uh, and, and you know, there's a, the, the, those kind of the more beautiful scenes tend to be the ones that are more closely tied into the theme of the movie, right? Like mm-hmm. that that piano thing is the same thing. Bobby sort of like finding a way to sort of slide away, right? Like to right. run away. Like a right. lot of the shots, it seems to be that's when he's when Quebec has put it his best is when he's more tied in with that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. The problem with I think a lot of the rest of it is that, um, well. The desire to make it feel, air quotes, real involves shooting a lot of really tight spaces that are yeah, kind of meandering and weird. And, and like, I could not describe you the shape of Rayette's house, even <laughs> right. now. Like, yeah. I have no fucking clue. I mean, you get that, you know it's a space, right? Like, you don't, it's not like it's divorced from space and you have, like, and it's, like, it's it's it feels like a real apartment, but it feels in the way, or a real house. It feels the way that trying to shoot in a a film in a real house has that problem of like, oh fuck, there's just walls everywhere, just fucking yeah. doors and walls, and like everything's like four foot by four foot, and like fuck it, this is gonna look bad. Yeah, it's just gonna look weird. Yeah, and bad. I mean, which is realistic to the sort of prison that that house is meant to be for Bobby right. too. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I think another, another actually place where, where Kovacs cinematography shines through is in the conversation that Bobby has with his dad. It's just very atmospheric and yeah. very, very based in the weather of the, of the sound, you know, of, uh, of that Pacific Northwest location. It's yeah, it's nice. Uh, I mean, yeah, there, like, there are beautiful shots. It's, it is. It does run into the fact that, like, the Pacific Northwest, especially, is a very beautiful place. That when with yeah, but when shot in a certain way, is not beautiful to look at at all. Yeah, especially especially with like nineteen seventies film stock, and then like yeah, not trying to make it look beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, you got to get those vistas and stuff. If you don't have that, and you just have like a a relatively tight shot of a parking lot or a driveway in a place in the, you know, the northwestern United States, it's actually pretty ugly. Uh, it's quite gray right. in that way, right? Um, yeah. Well, that's. I think it is actually an interesting thing about this movie about how much, how much of these beautiful shots are broken up. Uh, you know, in Bakersfield, obviously we have the the oil equipment doing it, right? But but on the highway in Bakersfield and in the Pacific Northwest with the with the ferries, car infrastructure sort of is destroying the destroying shots, right? natural 
natural beauty. Well, just human built uh, infrastructure yeah. in general, right? Is 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 right. messing things up. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing that you know it it when it's the message we took away right. from that. Right, it Antione has nothing to do with what this movie watched. is about. It's right? not. Yeah, it is. It, it is, is a, the exact opposite of what Antione was trying to say with that movie, but um, it is also not something that Rafelson is interested in saying in this movie. Right, and and it is uh, it is. Um, it is a fundamental like result of the fact that like that is a truth about the world we live in, right? Like right. the truth right. about the world that the people in this movie lived in, uh, and in some ways they lived in a worse version of it, right? In some ways, right? Because yeah. if you look at like the history of things like the EPA and stuff like that, right? Like one of the reasons some of these things right. came to existence is the world, like America, was a gross, disgusting place. Right. Like yeah. that that woman in the car is and, not wrong in some capacities about yeah. how much how like fucked up right. we made the place and, and the highway in bakersfield is meant to be a disgusting right hellish and, and place exactly too. but it's right. also a real place that was disgusting right. in real life right they're not using right. studios right. and sound stages these are real places that look bad because yeah. people built ugly shit there right and people are mad because you know they're they're honking because of the situation they're in and the situation they're in is a hell of their own making but also, well, hell of, it is they're a all hell. making in the sense that yes, they are all part and party to the hell that yeah. they're, they're. But at the same time, they, they don't want it. But also, they want to be there. Yeah, yeah, and they are all victims of of forces beyond their control who are also making this out right. too. So right, yeah, um, yeah, uh, you know that's where the oil is. So that's where you go for the work, and then you got to drive home, right? Uh, I guess. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and you see that with the ferry infrastructure and everything like that. There's just like, yeah, what would be a very beautiful place is ugly as fuck because a desire to turn yeah. it into something useful, right? To, quote unquote useful, right? Uh, yeah. the the road the road movie aspects of this, uh, the road trip movie aspects of this are interesting because coming off of uh, Easy Rider. Because where where Easy Rider would give us long shots of the motorcycles and just you know rock music playing, uh, here because of because of the way the plot goes, we get little musical interludes. But most of most of what we're getting are the car driving and and maybe some shots of the car in in the world, uh, but then intercut with instead of rock music with uh, Palm Apagadkas. Yeah, uh, monologues, I, and and what I, I will say is they do do a good job of capturing her as being the most annoying car companion you could ever imagine. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and when she congratulates him on destroying the table, oh yeah, man. yeah. I mean, it's well done. It, that that whole part is. Yeah, I would. I would. On the other hand, deeply enjoy a movie that is just basically that. <laughs> where and, and it's you i mean obviously it requires expansion out branching out in different ways but it's just the drive from like southern california all the way up to like washington just like kind of trying to capture how you know because whereas easy rider is about that freedom right the the freedom to explore right. the world and stuff what what an actual drive like that actually is like for most people who have to do something like that which is basically hell um, 
even if you're doing it by yourself, you're still on what how many hour drive through an entire coast? Like that's just hell. Uh, so I don't know, but that's not what this movie's about. Um, she's an interesting character in the sense that like I don't know. It's it's a very interesting character that I don't a hundred percent know what the place of that character is in the grand scope of the movie. Yeah. Like doesn't feel really connected to the story of Bobby. It's more of a distraction in the story. Um, yeah. Not always clear what the goal that was trying to, not, not that every character has to have a goal, but like the movie's fairly fixated on the purpose of describing the kind of person Bobby is. Right. Yeah. And then, like, how she fits into that is is well. This is this is a woman who is also performing escapism, right? In the, right. In similar That's ways true. to Bobby, perhaps more dedicated to it because she is going to Alaska. She's removing herself even further up the Pacific coast than Bobby could ever dream of, right? Uh, though maybe he is headed that way in the end, right? I mean, because, he's headed. Uh, he's the, going probably yes. The driver does say where they're going is going to be very cold. Right. They're already so. in a pretty cold place, and they're going to someplace that's more yeah. cold. Uh, I mean, where do you log? Probably pretty right. far out in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. Further further north than Portland, certainly. Seattle. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a comparison so point, I suppose, yeah. I, I was just thinking about that yeah. in the, when I was watching the movie. It's like her... Her existence in the film is yeah. not bad, but I I did puzzle over like, okay, well, what are we trying to communicate with her and presence? I, and I get I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think that makes sense as a as a reason for her to be in the film. And I did say I did say earlier that he doesn't seem especially attracted to either of them, but that's not entirely true because Rayette gets a little jealous when they get in the car because he specifically asks for the name of and introduces himself to. Palm's character, right? Or yeah. Palm, but not to Terry. The one Gross. That, that he Rayette's obviously finds attractive, Gross. right? Like, yes. Um, it's also interesting because um, they're a companion pair as well. Uh, yeah. But like, in many ways, flipped in a lot of ways, right? Because like, Terry Gross seems to be. I can't call her Terry Gross. I don't think she's actually called Terry Gross. But in my head, Gr- I was like, she's Grouse, an NPR uh, Grouse is in it. Uh, host. Yeah. Um. I seems to be the more calm and sensible one in a way that yes. Rayad is not necessarily Rayad is calmer than than Bobby, but is it necessarily like a necessarily a grounding influence for him in a way that yeah. would like make him behave himself? And I don't know that Terry Gross is either, but she does occasionally sort of comment on what Palms talking about in a way that sort of implies like hey you should chill out a little bit i'm trying to remember the exact dialogue i can't remember the exact dialogue but there's a couple times i remember her chiming in in a way that like implies that palm is going to continue talking and continue like bowling over but like some attempt to well they're in they're introduced with palm blaming her for the car accident right right so he palm is the the bobby of this pair right it's just that yeah. Terry and and yeah. Rayad are are not quite a identical set in the same way that uh, right. the Palm and and Bobby kind of <laughs> are, right? Yeah, to to a, there is an end where Eastman's original ending would have 
maybe hammered that parallelism a little more if if Bobby died in the car accident and we ended with Rayette yelling about him being a dummy who got himself killed. I mean, killed I do I do like whatever. I do like Rayette's final line in that version. I think it is Yeah. Oh yeah. I just I picturing her delivering that is really exciting to me. It is a very yeah. like it's a it is a cool ending in that way. Um I would also say that Palm is also more ideological in her in her yes. running away. Now, whether or not that ideology is a cover. Uh, but Palm, Palm is someone who verbalizes a lot of the thoughts that Bobby seems to have had. Right. And is ultimately, really, as we've alluded to, just as confused as Bobby is. Oh, yeah. In, and, 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 in and, and will, and is, and will be, and these ideologies and ideas are both bad and dangerous. Don't get me wrong. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Palm's headed to Alaska in in a new colonialism, and and that is really ultimately something that I think the commune in Easy Rider hints at. But we're still we're still so firm in this viewing of that sort of hippie movement as good, right? Right. That uh, that we can't see it for. For what we could see it in retrospect now, well, right, as right, an appropriation yeah. of native cultures that still necessitated the, uh, you know, uh, occasionally it did lead to allyship and and moments of unity, uh, but it is still fundamentally built on this uh, noble savage view of right, and you know, you combine uh, it with native the fact Americans. that, like, you know, you're like you these sort of like poorly conceived of sort of like pseudo like pseudo communes that aren't really communes in a lot of way like um well it's interesting because an easy writer not to keep going back but like an easy writer in one of the commentaries they were talking about like kind of they're poking in fun at the sort of the plastic communes that were like the remains as you know this sort of like meant to be a sort of uh comparison to like the good real ones that are like right right okay if you say so, how many of those there yeah. actually were? Uh, actually made their way right. w- into existence. They continued to exist, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just feel like you know, Palm here is playing into ideas of Alaska as this empty wilderness, right? This, to go, yeah, this explore, pure untouched which country, is, right? Which right. is the same the same manifest destiny. Oh yeah, it's it's shit. yes, yeah, absolutely, that, and. It always has, and been. she combines it with yeah. this sort of very ideological bent towards like this idea of purity and stuff. That's like right. pretty gross, but like you know, even Bobby doesn't even have that gross idea. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Bobby, Bobby has no idea. Bobby, at all. Bobby has no. Yeah, Bobby knows what he doesn't want, but what he doesn't want is just what he's in. Right, right, and it's always it's always what he's in, no matter where he is. Is what he doesn't want. So, you know, he's got the, that's, Rafelson views his ending of the film as uh, one of Bobby continuing his search for meaning. But I, I, Bobby's never searched for meaning. Right. He's just and, rejected. I, and, and we get into a classic case when we talked to previously. I don't know that Rafelson knows what makes his mo- makes these movies good and what his movies are about. Yeah. Yeah. And like if we're if we're okay Maybe. with death of the author, I'm okay with Bob Ravelson just not knowing what his movies are about. Right. Like, and that's okay. Right. Like Plenty he made interesting things 
and they meant something to him, and they just mean something different to probably nearly everybody else who watched them. Yeah. Or yeah. it's also possible and, that's exactly what they meant to the people who watched them in 1970, and just isn't what they mean to us because, like, they can't possibly mean what they meant to them because so much world has happened yeah. since then. So much has changed. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's fine too. Like the point is they do carry an interesting amount of like sort of things for us to look at. Um again, I would say that this one is less in, in I don't like this I don't really like Easy Rider. I don't really like this movie. I would say Easy Rider has more meat on its bones in terms of things to pick away at to like think about. Uh Do you think so? Uh in terms of like commentary on American history, uh, American cultural context yeah. and history, yeah, I guess that's fair. This one just yeah. isn't this one's... as interested. Like it wasn't as interested at the time, and it's not as in- and right. therefore, Easy Rider. The people who made Easy Rider and Easy Rider are wrong about America at the time that they're talking yeah. about because we have the value of ha- hindsight and they don't. But because they were directly trying to engage with countercultural movements and those ideas, it gives us a lot to talk about and think about. With that hindsight, right? It gives us I a think, lot to engage with with hindsight. Bobby is a, is a, essentially a non-ideological, is meant to be a non-ideological character. Doesn't I think it's, make a lot of commentary about American society at the time. Yeah. I think it's very possible that Eastman was more interested in making this movie a, a class commentary than Rafelson was. I think that's definitely I true. I think that there, I think... I think that there are seeds here that could have explored in different mm-hmm. ways, but ultimately what we get is a look at class relations that's not a critique of class relations. Right. And, uh, and I think the lack of critique is probably mostly on Rafelson, yeah. right? Like you could direct and, I, and write those, you could direct yeah. and play those scenes out in different ways that really hammer home the way that Rayad is treated in that family, the way that like they view, you know, the way that, that he treats people who he, every so often we get a hint of dialogue. That, yeah. that really makes it clear. The clearest one is probably when he's dealing with his friend at the oil rig, where he just yeah. unloads a bunch of classes bullshit on him, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And like, I'm betting that a different version of this movie has a lot more of that, right? Where he's and I, where it makes it very clear that he is a tourist, a wealthy tourist in the realm of normal people. Yes. Right. And I think there's a lot of parallelism in the script. Uh, you know, we already talked about the the original ending compared to the car accident that introduced Palm, but like the uh, the highway scene and the stationary cars in the highway scene compared to the stationary nature of the uh, the uh, uh, the ferry, right? Uh, there, the difference is class. The difference is the purpose of the stationary cars here, right? Right. right. Uh, and and I think that. Uh, I think that the waitress scene is parallel to the scene of the intellectual conversations trying to condescend to Rayette. Right, right, yeah. I think I there is a parallelism there in the script that does not exist in the movie. Right, and and, and uh, the movie version does not engage with that stuff and therefore gives us a yeah. lot less to work with, right? Yeah, I'd be. This is this is one of the first times where we've seen a movie where I'd be very interested in reading the original script compared to, to what, yeah. what what actually we ended up seeing on film. Right. Uh, because I think I do think the script might have been smarter. Well, and it's uh, also possible, and maybe it it's also maybe possible it's that... Well, the <laughs> other thing that's interesting about it, right, is it's also possible that the dialogue is almost exactly the same. It's just that what was yeah. intended to be done with that dialogue, what the acting around it was supposed to look like, what the framing was supposed to be yeah. like, right? Like, like we said, like, 
Like Bobby yeah. treats a yeah. lot of people like shit, and like right. w- our acting and our directing doesn't always make it clear that that's a class thing rather than just a Bobby being a piece of shit thing. Right, right, right. But yeah. also at the same time, yeah. if we do a little bit of digging, like we're you know a lot of like a little bit of extra analysis, like we're doing right now, w- what things make Bobby a piece of shit, right? <laughs> and they are by and large class relations. Yes, they are. And yeah. and so again, a subtler director, a subtler acting, and a yeah. subtler movie, you get a class commentary instead of a Jack Nicholson tour de force. <laughs> yeah. I listen, Jack Nicholson two to four and tour de force can be good, can be fun. I, but one of my favorite movies uh, on earth is a Jack Nicholson movie. It does not change the fact that I think in general he overacts. It's yeah. just that sometimes it works because the movie calls for it. Yes, the movie the movie you're talking about specifically calls, calls for, for it Jack in Nicholson space. to overact. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like we're yeah. talking about a movie that without <laughs> overacting would not work. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Uh and he's perfectly cast. For it's it's it it's exactly so, if you if you the yeah. problem is he's I don't actually think perfectly cast for this movie. He works fairly well in Easy Rider because that's just such a weirdo character. It's I, he's so weird that 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 character though anybody going in that hard on being weird would work in that 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 part in Easy Rider. <laughs> just as long as you're just a real fucking weirdo, it'll be fine. Um. But yeah, here I I don't think he can deliver a performance. <laughs> like I'm committing, I I feel like I'm committing a sin where like somebody's gonna like I'm gonna be this is gonna come up at a trial in the future when I when like somebody I'm put on trial <laughs> for my bad opinions. But like Jack Nicholson doesn't have the subtlety that's necessary to give the kind of movie that I think she was writing, the Eastman was writing, and that like frankly could have made this a more interesting movie for me. So. Oh well, somebody yeah. even somebody with more honestly more range, which sounds weird to say about Jack Nicholson, but like the explosions being compounded with a more subtle point to point acting would would work well. He's just he's a little too high key all the time in many ways, right? We'll see him directing next week. Which one's next week? I forgot already. Jack which Nicholson. one did he direct? He directed, uh, drive. He said. Drive. He said. Okay. Drive. He said. Yeah. Um, I don't. But like I said about drive, earlier, said. I, I know the name. BBS is sort of. Uh, BBS is sort of Jack Nicholson's story too, so right. um, uh, we'll see. We'll see more of him acting in the future too. I am looking. I am sort of looking forward to a safe place because I'm. I don't know anything about it, uh, but Orson Welles plays someone just credited as the magician, and I'm always always happy to see Orson. Right, Welles pop right. Up. Yes, I understand that. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm so, somewhat interested in the King of Marvin Gardens just because, like. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much in the description is accurate to what like we're actually going to get on screen. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the 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 description in these documentary pieces describes what sounds like a fairly subtle movie in many ways, and I don't know that right. I, and a and a much much more subtle Jack Nicholson. Right. And uh, I okay yeah sign me up. I'd like to see yeah. that right. But I also yeah. think I, I who knows right. So I'm kind of excited for that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I am still excited for the for the rest of these yeah, movies, yeah. even as Easy Rider and Five Easy Pieces didn't really work right. for me. Um, and, you know, all of these are going to be aimed at an early 70s audience that is not me, right. certainly. But, uh, 
But yeah, I'm still interested. Yeah, in and me too. And I and, and I want to sort of like they're so a part and parcel to sort of like American cultural history. Yeah, I want to have yeah. I want to have seen them and know what they're what they are right. Yeah, um, you know, it doesn't look like Carol Eastman ever wanted to to direct, uh, but it this movie does make me feel like someone someone who could have been closer to her script maybe right yeah <laughs> I'm, been, I'm trying to I'm, better here. I can think of other directors that are like oh man like this director's version of that would be really interesting to watch yeah but yeah uh, anyway I think we could probably pull this one to a close though yeah uh, we've been talking about five easy pieces uh, directed by Bob Rafelson starring Jack Nicholson as anti-hero Bobby Dupia. Uh, and great, um, really starring Karen Black as as his girlfriend. Yes, Red I mean, it, le- and, legitimately and the rest speaking, of the female the, cast, the best, here. the best performance yeah. in the movie, uh, bar none. Yeah, so yeah, doing a lot better. Um, but yeah, uh, an interesting little movie that seems like it could have been more interesting to us in with some slight tweaks along the way, but alas. Next week, it'll be Drive, He Said, directed by Jack Nicholson, uh, the next film from BBS uh, in our America Lost and Found, the BBS Story box set. So look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening to Lost and Criterion. I'm, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick O'Retire Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Overtory Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at J Patrick Dorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.